you would turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 16. And as you've uh, found 2 Corinthians 4, let's stand up together and we'll read our text together. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through verse 8. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are present, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Father, we bow our hearts before you and we claim your promise that we're inwardly being renewed day by day. And we ask this evening, as we draw near to you, that you would renew our spirits. Where there's discouragement, that you would replace it with encouragement. You know each and every one of us, the unique trials that we're going through, and you alone are the source. You alone are the living water. So Holy Spirit, would you bless our time in the word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Jonathan Edwards prayed this. He said, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyes. This old revival preacher that God used passionately, that's passed away and gone home to be with the Lord, he knew that if he could see this life through the lens of eternity, he would be different and he would live differently. You think about contact lenses or glasses, and it changes the way that you see things. It changes the way that you view the world. If we could view the world through the lens of eternity, what would our perspective be and what would our priorities be? The Apostle Paul, he's sharing with us why he doesn't lose heart, why he doesn't give up because he's able to behold the glory of God in the person of, of Jesus Christ that got him up in the morning. It got him through his day. It endured him while he was in jail. I can behold the, the glory of God. No matter what has changed in our lives or the difficulties that we face, it doesn't take from us the opportunity to behold God's glory. Also, he shared with us that he doesn't lose heart because of the treasure of Jesus inside of him. And because Christ is inside of him, the excellency of the power is of God and, and not of the Apostle Paul. But he also shares with us that he doesn't lose heart because of his view of eternity. And that's what we're going to focus on this evening is this eternal perspective. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. 
takes us back to verse 15, of course, the resurrection. That Christ is risen from the dead, that we too are going to rise from the dead. So because of that, we don't lose heart. We're racing towards eternity. We're racing towards glorified bodies. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The outward man is perishing. You know the outward man is perishing when someone walks into your office and they say, oh, you are so young in that photo, right? I have a picture of Amber and I in our engagement in in my office, and sometimes someone will come in, and I think I still look like that, right? But they look at that picture and go, Eric, you you are so young, right? The mirror lets us know that our body is perishing, And Paul was feeling the effects of this as well. He says, my body is is perishing. In the NIV version, the word perishing is translated wasting away, even though the outward body is wasting away. We live in a culture that's so outward focused, isn't it? We put so much priority on the way things look and how, how we look. And it's discomforting to us when we realize that our body is is wasting away. And for some, this is really personal because you wrestle with some type of physical disease or ailment in your body. You limp through this life with MS or Parkinson's or a cancer diagnosis, some type of chronic illness. And I believe you're going to appreciate your glorified body more than most, right? Because you understand, man, I'm walking through this life with the the challenge of a body that's not quite working the way that it should. The Apostle Paul, he had a thorn in his flesh, something that affected him physically. We'll read more of that in chapter 12. So we don't know exactly what that was, Some speculate that it was a problem with his his eyesight, which is very possible. He asked the Lord to take that away from him, but God said no. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. But there was something in Paul's body that he dealt with that caused an extra amount of suffering, but also caused him to be able to rely upon the Lord. So the outward is perishing. The outward is wasting away. We all deal with it to some degree. Yet, the inward man is being renewed day by day. So it's the outward versus the inward. As I've observed life, apart from Christ, people get more grumpy and set in their ways the older that they get. Without Jesus renewing my spirit, I can guarantee you I will be a cranky old man. You just don't meet very many 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, 85-year-olds that have this renewed spirit that the Apostle Paul is talking about. But yet, sometimes you do. Sometimes you meet a believer that has walked with the Lord for years and years and meets with the Lord and they have this renewed spirit. Even though their body is wasting away, even though their body is is failing them, 
their spirit is more alive than it's ever been. We see this with Caleb in the Old Testament. He's old. Only him and Joshua lived through the wilderness experience. The rest died in unbelief. In his older years, he's saying, God promised me this in the promised land. I want to take it. He had that renewed spirit. How we need this renewed spirit that can only come from the Lord. We're really being tested right now if God is our source. We say he's our source, and we believe that he's our source, but oftentimes we live like something else is our source. Is the government your source? I sure hope not, but maybe the last two weeks and the way we responded has caused us to realize I was putting more stock in the government than I really thought. Now, by all means, we need to be involved in government. Christians need to have influence more than ever in this area of government, but government is not our source. Government is not the living water. We would say that, man, the gym is not our source. Jesus is our source until we can't go to the gym. And then maybe the gym was more of my source than I thought it was. We would never say our kids going to school was our source until they can't go to school. It's like, man, when are they going to open up these schools, right? So we're being tested. Is, is Jesus really my living water? Is he the one that I'm going to to be able to be renewed? So there's this potential and there's this opportunity as our, as our bodies fail us and as we're wasting away and we age, that we don't get discouraged, we don't lose heart, we don't, we don't give up, but we go, oh, there's this physical pain in my life, but it gives me opportunity to press into God renewing my spirit. He renews our spirit day by day. God's a God of the daily. Many times we want to go before the Lord and say, can I get recharged for the rest of 2020? While we're at it, can you just go ahead and give me the download for 2021? But God knows if he were to do that, we wouldn't check in with him. It's the need that causes us to come to him every day to be renewed by the Lord. He gives daily bread. He gave manna from heaven to the children of Israel in the wilderness day by day. If they collected more for the next day, it would go bad on them. God says, no, I want you relying upon me every day for daily provision. This aspect of God renewing our spirit, renewing our inward man, it's active on our part, not passive. Big surprise, I've got my phone here in my pocket. Hopefully it's on vibrate. Always a bad thing when your phone rings while you're teaching as a pastor. Looks like I've gotten a few texts. In order for my phone to get charged up, I have to plug it in. We have this docking station in our kitchen where we put our phones. And sometimes my phone is sitting right next to the power cord, but I didn't plug it in. And I've got a low or, or dead battery. Sometimes we're really close to the source. 
we know about the Lord, we can share Jesus with others, but we're not plugged into the source. And so we're not experiencing that renewal that comes into our hearts and lives. This is Isaiah 40. It says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. God does not have pandemic fatigue, thankfully. He doesn't faint. He doesn't weary. He doesn't have a bad day. He doesn't lose sleep. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. I believe we're seeing that. Young people are getting wore out as well. But here's the promise. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall rock, walk, and not faint. Those that wait upon the Lord. It's passive in the sense that it takes time where we slow down and we are waiting. But it's active, it's passionate in the sense that we're ministering to the Lord, we're pouring our hearts out to the Lord in prayer, in worship, in spending time in the Word. As we're drawing near to God, then He draws near to us, and the result then is we have a renewed spirit day by day. Have you experienced that as you spend time with the Lord in prayer? As you spend time in worship? I don't necessarily experience that when I spend time on Netflix. Not that it's bad to take in some entertainment if you can find something wholesome. But there's just doesn't recharge in the same way. It's always difficult to get into the Word, but then after spending time in the Word, there's that refreshment that comes from the Lord. Do you feel that after being together with believers? After worshiping and singing to the Lord, I felt like the worship team could go on for like four or five more songs tonight. When you think about who God is and rejoicing in the Lord, man, your spirit is, is built up. You're, you're renewed. Oftentimes we feel like, I'm too busy to spend time with the Lord. What? We're too busy to not spend time with the Lord. If you're going to cheat somewhere, don't cheat on your worship. Don't cheat on, on spending time with him. If you find yourself in that place of, of discouragement, whether it, it is something physical in your life or, or something else to say, all right, I'm going to choose to draw near to the Lord and trust that God's going to renew my spirit. Day by day, he's got that renewal that he wants to give to us. We go on into verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is light versus weighty. <laughs> our light affliction. The Apostle Paul, he understood affliction. He understood difficulty. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He had the care of, of the churches. And he says that his affliction is light. He considered his affliction to be light. And the reason why is because he knew that his affliction was momentary. He says, it is but for a moment. 
He's got his focus, he's got his gaze upon eternity, and he realizes, man, I'm only going to be here a short amount of time. No matter how bad this life is going to get, this is the worst it's ever going to be for us as believers. The best is really yet to come. You really can lay hold of that in faith to say, I know the best is yet to come because I'm going home to be with the Lord. It's hard to get our minds around this year. In some ways, 2020 has gone so slow, so incredibly slow. But in other ways, it's been really fast. Here we are headed into another Thanksgiving. Here we are headed into another Christmas, and then it's going to be 2021. We're going to blink, and we're going to be home to be with the Lord. Oftentimes, we think we've got 75, 80 years But we don't know. We don't know when God is going to take us home to to be with him. We may be a lot closer to heaven than we realize. He's got our days numbered. He knows when we're going to step into eternity. So our affliction is only for a moment. When you realize that your affliction is temporary, it does change your perspective. When we're going through difficulty, we feel like this is never going to end. Never, ever is this going to end. That leads to great discouragement. But when we go, man, this is only going to be for a moment. How did I endure some of my classes in in high school? Because I knew they'd only last 45 minutes. I'm out of here, right? See, this is momentary. it's, It's brief, right? It's going to pass. This life is, is going to pass. We're going to blink and we're going to be with the Lord. Try to think of eternity for a minute and compare this life to, to eternity. After 400 years of being in heaven, enjoying the Lord, you're just getting started. <laughs> just getting started. Is there a believer that you really miss that's gone home to, to be with the Lord? You're going to enjoy them for millions of years. You're going to have conversations with them for for millions of years around the the throne room of God. This life is so short. It's it's just for a moment. Our affliction is just for a moment. But here's the promise that's so encouraging. So our afflictions are light, but where's the weight? Is working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The Lexham English Bible translates this verse this way, and I really like it. For our momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure and proportion. God, the God of the resurrection and the redemption, is able to use difficulty, is able to use a body that is wasting away, and all other kind of trial and difficulty in our lives— What seems to have no value here on this earth, we can't figure out why in the world we're going through this particular can kicking, yet God's able to take that affliction and turn it into something that has substance and glory for all of eternity. For all of eternity. It is not wasted in your life. The cancer that you're going through is not wasted. In eternity, God's going to take that cancer 
and he's going to use it for glory, for eternal glory. That loved one that's passed away, that child that you've buried, that valley of the shadow of death that you've walked through, it's not wasted. God is going to turn it into eternal glory. It has substance. It has weight. That rejection that you have gone through, that abandonment, that hurt that's happened on behalf of other people, it wasn't your fault. God is going to redeem that. He's going to use that for eternal weight of glory. The end of our text tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And this is what we embrace by faith. Okay, God, you're allowing this physical difficulty in my life. I know you're going to use it for eternal glory. God, you've allowed me to lose my job. I know you're going to use that for eternal glory. You've allowed me to go through this difficult thing relationally. I know that you're going to use it for eternal glory. And to lay hold of that in faith, to be able to, to hold on to it. How so? I mean, how does God really take affliction and turn it into eternal weight of glory? Well, we know in this life, even on this side of eternity, what, what God does through trial. In trial, we learn more about Christ. I wish I could tell you that you're going to know the depths of Christ in the blessings of your life, and to some degree, yes. But where you're really going to know Christ in a deeper way is through the difficulties of life. You already know that to be true. You're able to look back on the challenges and go, that's when I really got to know the Lord in a greater way. It's in trial and difficulty that your character grows. This is why a loving father can allow us to go through difficulty because he says, I'm conforming you into my image and the tool that I'm using is challenge and difficulty if we'll allow it. And Paul writes a, a lot about that. Also, in this life, we know that God uses trial and difficulty to encourage other believers, to be a witness to unbelievers. All of that is in this life, and only until we go home to be with the Lord are we going to see what it's going to result in eternity. But I'm convinced when we are with the Lord, we're going to go, God, you didn't make a mistake. You didn't make a mistake. That trial that you allowed me to go through, it really did result in weighty glory that would last for all of eternity. And it was difficult to go through, and sometimes I didn't trust you as I was walking through it, but wow, you really used it for eternal glory. Remember, people in the scripture, when they're walking through difficulty, they hadn't seen the outcome. We think of the story of Ruth and Naomi. Naomi losing her husband, losing her two sons, bitter about what God has done in her, her life, but some redemption takes place. Boaz marries Ruth, and they're blessed with a child. And you're saying, well, well, she saw God's work. She saw God's redemption. She saw a small portion of it. Little did she know that this child that was born through Ruth and Boaz would lead to Jesus, would lead to David, which would lead to, to Jesus, right? It's only in eternity that she really saw the full culmination of the story. 
And the same's going to be true for, for us as well. But through faith, we lay hold that God is using affliction and turning it to the weight of glory. Temporal versus eternal in verse 18. While we do not look at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Kent Hughes said this, The tragedy of our times is that men and women have lost their eyes for the unseen and believe in hope and work in the visible. Let me read that to you one more time. The tragedy of our times is that men and women have lost their eyes for the unseen and believe in hope and work in the visible. We're encouraged to look and to focus on things that are unseen because the things that are unseen are the things that are eternal. The things that we can see are temporary. We can't see the Lord, but he's eternal. So we're to be focusing upon the Lord. The things that we can see, our houses, our cars, these things are just temporal that are going to be burned up. Positions, prestige. And this is so hard, isn't it, to shift our focus, to say, I'm going to look to those things that are eternal. Jesus lived his life with this eternal perspective, with eternity stamped upon his eyes. In John 13, verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father. Jesus knew that he would depart from this world to the Father. He was, he was focused on what lied ahead of him. Paul encouraged us to set our mind on things that are above. This is one of the good things about trial. Trial and difficulty makes us look forward to heaven. Have you looked forward to heaven a little bit more this year? Last time I checked, no masks in heaven, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, right? We're going to be with the Lord. As we have that eternal perspective, it changes our priorities. Man, my relationship with the Lord is the most important thing in my life. Relationship with believers is important. I want to encourage believers. We're going to spend eternity together. We have a heart for the lost, heart for those that don't know Christ their Savior. We start to think this family member, this loved one, this neighbor, this person I haven't met, do they know the Lord? God is and is wanting to do a work in the lives of people that don't know Christ as our Savior. And as we focus on things of eternity, let's have a heart for the lost. As Kent encouraged us, so glad that you could hear from him last weekend with the Great Commission. God has called us to go and proclaim the good news. What a, what a great time to be able to proclaim the good news to think missionally when we go to the grocery store. To think missionally as we gather together with family. As we interact in in the workplace. The workplace was already really lonely. I think it's gotten even more lonely in Zoom land. I hear a lot, I am so sick of Zoom. I hear it from teens that are having to do their classes on, on Zoom. I hear it from us as we're having to do more Zoom meetings and there's not any more as many in-person meetings. 
There's a nice aspect to stay at home and work all day, but there's a downside too, right? You're disconnected from, from your coworkers. So if you find yourself in that place where you've been working at home for a while and it looks like you're gonna be working at home for a little bit while longer, just reach out to those coworkers. You know, call them directly, send them an email, pursue them. How, how are you doing? Look for those opportunities to share the gospel. Have that faith that God is working in the lives of unbelievers. Paul expands this thought of the eternal over the temporal in focusing on our glorified bodies. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, that's this body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul was a tent maker. I bet he made some pretty good tents. That's how he supported himself. One day, while he was making a tent, he realized this body is simply a temporary dwelling. God wants to speak to us in the midst of our daily lives. With a tent, it's not meant to be permanent. As you go out onto a, a camping trip, it's usually three or four days, and you're like, okay, I'm ready to get to my permanent dwelling. This body was never meant to be a permanent dwelling. When God engineered us and put us together in our mother's womb, he did a great job on this tent. It's pretty cool, but it's only temporary. Then we have a building that can't be destroyed that's from God, and it's eternal in the heavens. Our glorified body will be eternal. Think about your glorified body for just a moment. Never to know sin in this glorified body. Never to know sickness. Never to know decay. Never to know a calorie that you can't handle. Right? Never to know GMOs and non-organic food. Behold the Lord. With this glorified body, you're going to behold the Lord. You're going to be able to be in perfect fellowship with the Lord. This amazing transformation and graduation that's going to take place. In verse 2, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. This body, this tent, it groans. When you wake up and you're like, oh, so, so hard to get out of bed. That's your body saying, I can't wait for the glorified body. When this, this body breaks down and develops autoimmune diseases, it's, it's groaning, saying, oh, I long for that glorified body. When young people injure themselves and blow out a knee and blow out an ankle, it's their body groaning for that habitation. When we watch the news and we watch the state of our world and the state of our, our government and, and the turmoil, our hearts groan for that habitation with, with the Lord. When we hear of a child who's been sexually abused, our, our hearts groan and long for things to be made perfect in the presence of the Lord. Job had this same groaning, and he went through so much difficulty and loss in his life, and this is in the middle of the struggle he says, for I know that my Redeemer lives. He shall stand at last on the earth. He's focusing on the eternal. He knows that God is going to rule and reign. After my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, 
It's really deep what Job understood here. This flesh is going to be destroyed, but yet I know I'm going to see God. He believed in not only God ruling and reigning, but he himself receiving a glorified body. God raising up this body and transforming it. Whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. I'm going to behold God. And here it is. How my heart yearns within me. Job groaned. Oh, I long for this. There's a part of us that's never going to be satisfied on this side of eternity. In this temporal existence, we're always going to be groaning for our eternal home. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Speaking of our glorified body, we will no longer be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Please hear this. Please, 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 please hear this. Hope for eternal life doesn't mean you hate this life. If you hate this life, you're slapping your creator in the face. If you hate this life, you're offending your heavenly father who granted it to you. Paul is very clear here. He's saying, it's not that this life is so terrible, but it's that we long for something better and we long for something greater and we long for something with the absence of sin. Jesus came to give us life. Jesus came to give it more abundantly. We should love life to the fullest. We should take each day to live for the Lord and, and his glory in the hope of eternal life. So the hope of eternal life doesn't cancel out the goodness of this life. It causes us to look forward to something even greater, where mortality is swallowed up by life. Verse 5, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. He's prepared us for eternity. He has placed eternity in our hearts. For believers, he's given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as an engagement ring, to cause us to be confident that he's going to finish the work that he started. For we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. This is true. While we're in this tent, we don't see the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. That's the reality of our relationship with the Lord right now. It's not by sight. It's by faith. There's evidence for our faith, but we walk by faith, not by sight. As we go through these trials, we walk by faith and, and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. As soon as you pass away as a believer, your last breath here on earth is followed by your first breath in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Some of you are familiar with 1 Corinthians 15. That is very clear that we don't receive our glorified body until the second coming of Christ. So that has brought up the question, is there some kind of soul sleep? And the answer is no, because of this verse, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Your spirit goes home to be with the Lord the moment you pass away, and technically you are waiting for your glorified body, but I think time in heaven is completely different. If you are waiting, you're not going to be waiting very long, and it's probably much more like an eternal now. 
We should love this life, but we should not fear death as believers. If you're afraid of death, may the Holy Spirit, through the love of the Father, lift that off of you. You don't have to be afraid to die because you're going to be with the Lord. You will be present with the Lord. You'll be beholding the Lord. What we can only imagine, we'll be experiencing in reality. Psalms tells us to precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. God sees it as a good thing. Don't live your life in fear. Don't be afraid of dying. Be afraid of not living this life well under the glory of God, but we don't have to be afraid of dying. Amen? This section of scripture has been a huge encouragement to me this year. As many of you know, my body is not working quite as well as it was in 2019. But I'm thankful the Lord's really helped me and gotten a lot of things figured out and I'm, I'm feeling great, but I will have challenges in this tent until I go home to be with the Lord. And there has been many days, especially through the spring and the summer, where I would have to wake up and deal with this new norm and this new reality, give myself some insulin shots and try to figure things out and go for a walk and preach this section of scripture to myself. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man's being renewed day by day. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man's being re- renewed. For our light affliction, God, this doesn't feel very light right now. For our light afflictions, but for a moment. But this is working for me. This is, this is benefiting me. When you do find yourself in those really difficult infirmities, those difficult sorrows, those, those heartbreaks, those, those disappointments, we do battle for our hearts. We do battle to, to not give up. And we have to take the truth of Scripture and hold on to it and preach to ourselves and preach to ourselves and preach to ourselves. But I am looking forward. I am looking forward to us being surrounded the throne room of God, looking at how he has redeemed our difficulties in this life for substantial weight of glory. This seemed so wasted. I couldn't see anything good coming from this. But yet God who is the God of the resurrection and redemption, was able to take something so painful and difficult and turn it into eternal glory. We have a loving Father that knows what he's doing. When we get to heaven, I think we're going to understand fully and we're going to go, Dad, you gave me a good thing. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. You knew exactly what you were doing. God wants to renew your spirit. He wants to renew your inward man. We're getting trampled on. It's been a difficult year. 
But God is bigger and he's greater and he wants to come and he wants to minister to us and he wants to renew our spirit every day. That renewal, it happens in the secret place. Psalms 91 writes about a secret place with God, this place of refuge where you go alone with the Lord, where you spend time with him. And in that secret place of fellowship, that renewal takes place. In the midst of a difficult job, in your heart, you're having fellowship with the Lord. In a difficult relationship, in your heart, you're having fellowship with the Lord. In a difficult physical infirmity, you're, you're having fellowship with the Lord, and the Lord is, is renewing your spirit. So let's press into that secret place. Let's press into drawing near to the Lord and allowing God to renew our inner man. Father, we admit we don't understand the, the struggles of this year, the, the difficulties of, of this year. We don't understand why you allow particular challenges and difficulties in our life. But through faith, we embrace your, your word that you are using this affliction to produce eternal weight and eternal glory. I pray specifically for those that are suffering physically. They're in chronic pain from a car accident. There's some kind of disease that has gone wrong in their body. That you would be gracious, Lord, to strengthen their inner man. For those that are enduring difficult relationships, and it causes them to want to give up, that you would strengthen them. Lord, where we're weak and where we're tired, we surrender that to you. And as we worship, we, we plug into you as the source. Forgive us for looking to these other things to be our source. You alone, Jesus, are our living water. We want to drink of you tonight. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do your work in us. That you could send us out to those that don't know Christ. So we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's